Hi, and welcome to Desperately Seeking Senior Living, a podcast for sons, daughters, grandkids, and spouses who suddenly find themselves tangled in the search for senior living and care. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and check out our doable download in today's show notes for a printable summary of the show and a bonus tip from our guest. She knew that Alzheimer's was likely coming for her because her mother and one of her two older sisters had died uh, of Alzheimer's. I'm your host, Valerie Borgman, and today we're talking with Lee, who helped his mom move as her memory worsened. Everyone knew the move was probably coming, but they didn't anticipate how creative they would need to get, how hard it would be to find the right place, and just how much his mom's pre-planning would help. Well, the story really started in like, I believe it was August or September of 2019, when when the staff at Village Green, where she was living in independent living, called to tell us her behavior was increasingly erratic. And they, um, first of all, wanted us to have her checked for a UTI, you know, because that can cause that kind of behavior. And of course, that wasn't the problem. So she was you know, multiple times a day, she was going downstairs to check that her car was still there and she was forgetting things and she was never belligerent or anything like that. But it was becoming obvious that she was not going to be able to live on her own. She was still driving. That didn't last long. I mean, technically, she was still driving. She hadn't actually been out very much at all. Now, one thing you have to know about my mom is that she uh, has been very much a controlling person, not in a negative way usually, but uh, my dad died in 97. And ever since then, she's been on her own and quite happy with it. She knew that Alzheimer's was likely coming for her because her mother and one of her two older sisters had died uh, of Alzheimer's. So she was very careful in her planning. She planned monetarily. She When she moved into Village Green, her whole intent was that she would spend the rest of her life there. Because she could start off in assisted living, move into um, in independent living, I should say. She could move into assisted living. And then at the time she moved in, they had plans to create a memory care unit. And they never did. So when the time came for her to go to assisted living, they had no room. The staff at Village Green was extremely helpful and extremely supportive in trying to, in, in working with us until we could find her a place to live. She didn't understand. Uh, She had no idea why she had to move. This was her home. This is where all of her friends were. They said that they were going to have everything for her. Why couldn't she just stay there and move into assisted living? Well, mom, no space. Well, why not move into memory care? There is no memory care. And so the staff there promised to look after her as best they could while we looked for some place to uh, to move her. They even went as far as to create these fake 30-day move-out notice letters. Right, because she was like, "What? Do you, I don't have to move. <laughs> right, and they had no, there was never any intent of forcing them on her or, you know, enforcing the move on her, but to try to give her something to hold on to that said, I, you have to move. Right. They, there were all these conversations, but then the next day she would be completely surprised that someone was talking about moving. <laughs> right. Exactly. And of course, so we knew she had to move. Uh, she didn't know she had to move. <laughs> we had no idea. We had no idea what to do. And the executive administrator at uh, Village Greenland, 
she was the spearhead of all this. She recommended ClearPath, and that's where we met you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and we went on the, uh, the, I guess it was two or three months journey of trying to find places that, you know, y- you listen to what we needed. We needed to keep her close. We needed someplace that would start with assisted living and move to memory care without hopefully having to move her again. She went into an assisted living apartment. Uh, She was extremely unhappy about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, she was still unhappy about moving from Village Green because... That yeah. was her plan. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the day that I was, uh, that we were actually doing the move, my my sister and my wife kept her company elsewhere while I helped with the move, and they took all sorts of abuse from her. Uh, I'm glad to say that that did not last. You know, within a couple months, uh, she had she had settled in fairly well. One of the resources uh, that you guided us to, besides a place to go, was a way to get her there. The moving people, the relocation people were very helpful. I don't think we would have done it without the help that we had. You know, packing things up, getting them moved, and then getting them unpacked and getting the apartment decorated to look as much like her old place as we possibly could. She had a, a lot of collectibles and things that were important to her. Right. And, and part of your hope with that was that it would help make the transition easier. Right. <laughs> <So> exactly. <laughs> it was still hard. <laughs> exactly. You know, but you were you were hoping having, you know, those those movers come in and put things up and make it look nice would help ease that transition for exactly. her. Exactly. And to some extent it did. You know, she downsized quite a bit. When she moved from the family home, she did all that herself. I mean, she hired the moving company and, and everything like that. But we had to downsize again. The assisted living apartment at uh, Meridian was a bit smaller. The Meridian had a transitional unit. So it wasn't their regular assisted living. Yeah, she she had a, uh, a wristband detector for a while. And I think she also, for some of the time, she had a pendant as well. It was easier, I think, making that transition, but I think that was really smart, too, that they had her visiting the memory care. Yeah, that's exactly right. But almost immediately, she was wandering the halls. They ended up taking her down to memory care every day for several months just to spend the day there, have her meals there, et cetera. And in the middle of the pandemic, I don't remember exactly when, but I think it was late spring of 2020, they told us that they were going to move her permanently into memory care. And they were going to handle all that. And they did. We didn't have any physical contact. We didn't have to show up for that. And of course, we expected that she would be all upset at having to move again. We never really heard a thing about it. She'd been spending so much time down there anyway. She knew everybody. Her meals were all down there. She just had a different room, but she had her TV. That that was really important. (laughs) She had the TV. How different would you say that she was from that first time, you know, when she first moved into the Meridian to memory care, was it about the same? You know, there had been, there had definitely been deterioration. She, she did not have the concerns uh, in the summer of last year that she had in the fall of the year before when we first moved her in. And I'm sure that's because she just, they just weren't part of her, of her memory anymore. She didn't know enough anymore to know that those were problems that she'd had. She has not had any problem with remembering people or or anything like that, but um, she she has delusions now and then, which I'm sure is common. She thinks that she, she called one night last fall and uh, wanted to let us know that she was uh, staying in a hotel 
that she would probably be back home in a few days. But, uh, you know, she'd been attending conferences because she did a, a lot of that kind of stuff when she was when she was still working up until the late 90s. And uh, business was always, always really important to her. So that's where her mind went, that she was, this wasn't her home, but this was a really nice place that she was staying for a while. And they were taking good care of her, and, you know, but she had more conferences. And, and the food was good. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I said, oh, that, that, that's great. That's great, Mom. I, well, uh, let us know when you get home, you know, things like that. Just humoring her because there was no, there was no arguing with her. Right. You know, she was convinced this is what was going on. And even if you argued with her in one, she wouldn't know it the next day. Yeah. She probably wouldn't even know it an hour from then. Right. Just sort of joined her where her memories were taking her. Right. And of course, it made it, you know, one can feel guilty or not about this, but it made it easier that she wasn't, we weren't doing the actual taking care of her. We knew that she was in good hands as far as, you know, if the phone call ended and she was upset or if she wanted to just go off and do something else, there were people right there who would who were able to take care of her in those yeah. circumstances that we didn't have to be responsible directly for her postponed call of happiness, or, you know, whatever. And we were still talking to her. Of course, in memory care, she doesn't have her own phone. If we wanted to talk to her, we would have to make arrangements or she would call us from the community phone. Yeah. What was that like for her? For a while, it was, she would still call us. She would have somebody call us weekly. I mean, she would have somebody initiate the phone call for her uh they because they do have a phone in a little office area there gives some privacy she wasn't really alone you know she was there was a wall and maybe an open door uh, between her and the rest of the memory care unit and there's nothing else going on in that room but if she hears uh, somebody walking in the hallway behind she'll always be looking around and making sure that nobody is spying i won't say paranoia but her desire for privacy she just doesn't want anybody overhearing something that she maybe doesn't want them to hear fortunately she was able to get a single room i'm not sure how yeah. she would do with a roommate if it weren't for covid you would have been more a part of that transition to memory care exactly yes do you think it was better that you weren't i do you know when we first moved her in uh at the meridian we were we were looking at all the different you know transitional strategies mm -hmm. you know like okay should you just drop her off and not even visit or contact for a few weeks a month whatever uh or should you be involved every day or every week or whatever and we kind of took a middle road of we were in phone contact but we didn't visit for about a week i think i don't remember exactly and i think the move to memory care was a lot easier because we weren't involved uh, she didn't have that much memory of what the move-in, uh, the original move-in in November was like. Uh, she was used to the people. It was just a matter of she went to sleep in a different place. There was certainly a less, lot less anxiety on, on our part. Today's episode is brought to you by ClearPath Senior Living Solutions. ClearPath helps families find assisted living, memory care, and other resources. Find our contact information in today's show notes. You took a lot of the heat for yes. a lot of things. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> I am so angry that I gave that kid yeah. power of attorney over me. I know. I know. And in fact, when I stepped in, right, we were like, okay, let me be the bad guy. And then, you know, Kim stepped, okay, let, let Kim be the bad guy with this letter, you know? And so everyone kind of having this strategy. So having you not be involved, even though it, you know, it was out of your control to not be involved, right. turned out to be a really good thing. Yeah. The Meridian, of course, as they have to be, have been very good about calling us and telling us about any um, any serious difficulties or even happy things. Uh, oh, that's so, nice. It's good yeah, to get those exactly. phone calls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, your mom is doing fine, but she just wanted to talk to you. Did yeah. you still worry, though? Oh, of course. Yeah. You still do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, especially... Uh, earlier this winter when, you know, after COVID and it looked like she was going downhill and she was diagnosed with COVID in January and she never was very symptomatic, but she recovered without ever really showing any, any serious symptoms at all. It was only afterwards, after she got her, her negative tests, she started having problems eating. And we think it's because she was symptomatic enough that she lost her sense of taste and smell. And so food was no longer interesting. And within a few weeks, though, I mean, we got her on hospice. We thought she was just on the downward spiral at that point. My sister, who lives in New Mexico, and I were, you know, we would text back and forth. And there was always, my sister is a little bit more uh, realistic, maybe, or cynical, maybe. I'm not sure. But, you know, she was very... She was very correct in saying, you know, we knew this was going to happen eventually. Um, and, you know, that's the reality of this. This is a, uh, <laughs> this is not a, a long-term change in situation. It's going to be relatively short-term. Um, and she started eating and uh, she just graduated off of hospice and for about three months on hospice care because they don't expect that she's going to, you know, fulfill the uh, the purpose of hospice is, which is to work with people who are going to expect to die within the next six months or so. She's no longer in that position. Health-wise, she's doing pretty good. You know, you said something too, and you talked about how she planned. That was part of this too. Yeah. Um, she, as part of her preparations, she had this list of all of her, you know, her bank accounts, her investment accounts, uh, information about the old house. And there was this little something about long-term care John Hancock. No other details at all. Um, and a friend was visiting her before she moved out of Village Green. And she received, a, and mom received a phone call. Her friend ended up talking to the caller who happened to be the insurance agent who sold her the long-term care insurance 16 years ago. It was 18 years ago now. And we found out, thanks to her friend who called us right away, that mom was literally three weeks away from losing her long-term care insurance because she hadn't paid the annual premium. Oh, my gosh. And the agent said, you know, what's going on? So once again, thank heavens for interested and involved people. We, of course, I've been um, a co-signer on my mom's bank account forever, as is my sister. So I immediately found a check and sent that premium in, uh, which was really good because within a few months, she was starting to need that long-term care, which is essentially paying her, it is paying her bills every month. Wasn't there something about that where she was 
not wanting to spend the money? Yeah, all she was always, you know, part of that controlling and planning nature of her is that she's always been very concerned about money. And until I actually had access to her investment accounts and stuff, you know, I was kind of believing, oh, yeah, mom's got a, her and dad's retirement. And she has somewhat more than that. And you would never know it to listen to her. <laughs> uh, she was always saying, well, am I going to have enough? Am I going to have, how are we paying for this? And I, I know that's probably a very common thing with people in her, you know, in her situation as far as memory and, and age and stuff like that. And let's face it, greatest generation. She grew up during the Depression. Right. Uh, and World War II, she she came of age in the mid fifties, uh, so she has some memory of of that. She was always wanting me to print out accounts to give her, and always wondering. She was always asking, "Well, how much is this costing?" And they would tell her, "She says, oh no, how are we going to afford that?'" And I say, "We get it back every month." <laughs> because we pay, we pay the bill to Meridian and then John Hancock reimburses us for that. So yeah. she's actually not spending any money. But in her mind, you know, she That's was right. thinking she was. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. She can't imagine how she was you know, spending this money, you know, how, how she was affording this. Was there a point at which the invoices got sent just to you or was there something there where so she wouldn't have to be triggered by that every month? Yes, um, we made sure that the invoices always came directly to us. I don't think that she was ever directly sent an invoice from Meridian, but she wanted to see them for a while. It never quite got to the point, but we were contemplating having to uh, eventually start lying to her and telling it was much, telling her it was much less than what it actually was. She quit asking before we reached that point. Uh, either that or the pandemic started and we weren't seeing her every week. You know, being the power of attorney and being the eventual executor of the estate, that means that I've been, had to be very involved with this stuff. And I know that some of the decisions I'm making financially would not be to her liking, but, you know, she was much more savvy about investments and something and stuff like that than I'll ever be. So, you know, I moved her investment accounts so that they're actively managed by the investment she was doing it all herself. And this is another part of the story. Four or five years ago, she was calling her investment company several times a month to check on her investments because she's, she's not, was never really internet savvy. You know, she was, she did not go online for anything except to exchange email. We had to do a power of attorney with the investment company right, right there so that they, I would have some control over those accounts, even though she never let me see statements or anything like that. But the purpose was if they had to contact me because she was being erratic, I would have the ability to take control if necessary. At the time, she was willing enough to do it, though she didn't understand the, the need for it. I mean, she didn't resist it, but she really didn't understand the need. And I'd already gotten all the other power of attorney documents and stuff before that you know, long before that. Um, and of course, I didn't have any ability to do anything with that until her doctor said that, no, he, she's not competent anymore. She had, we didn't have to do, I mean, we had to do probably the biggest part. And that was work on her, where she was going to live. But all the other stuff, I, I had to gather a lot of information, but it was all there. You know, if I, once I found it, everything was in, in place. Were you surprised when, you became involved and you saw the cost? 
To some extent, yes, uh, because, you know, I've, I've always heard, you know, nursing homes, uh, retirement homes, stuff like that cost a lot of money. And, okay, what does that mean? Because I had never actually seen actual figures. Uh, eventually, I saw what she was paying at Village Green, which was like the meal plan was one meal a day and rent. And that was, you know, that was obviously manageable. Mom wasn't having any problem with that. And the first time that I started hearing assisted living at places like Meridian that included the cost of care, uh, you know, the giving them their meds every day and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, well, yeah, that's, it's somewhat more. <laughs> and then, you know, all the worries went away when we came in and found out exactly what long-term care was going to uh, how much that was going to take care of. And she's well below their daily limit. That adds a whole nother layer. That's right. You know, in having that as part of the plan that she yeah. had. So Lee, with everything that you have been through and, you know, it's not over. <laughs> but no, but. <laughs> so far up until this point, what would you say was the one thing that just made these moves more doable for you? You. <laughs> No, I, I really have to say that. I, um, Thank you. <laughs> being able to guide us through the move and help us find a place, uh, I had no idea how to start. Yeah. Um, and, and you gave us that. And also, I think the other thing that made the biggest amount of difference is my mom's pre-planning. Uh, I am uh, actively watching the Alzheimer's group on Reddit. And all the people that are on there saying, uh, this is happening to my mom or my dad, and this is happening, we don't know what to do. You know, we're in our 20s or 30s, we have, they have no plan, we have no plan. How are we going to do this? And sometimes I just get in and reply, look and see if you have a senior care coordinator kind of uh, service in your area. Uh, they, can, they can be a big help. And there are all sorts of resources out there that you don't really even know about until you go looking. You know, my mom, well, it amazes me that, you know, living in the internet connected age we're in today, where you can get so many answers, sometimes quickly, <laughs> depending <laughs> on how your search skills are, but they had resources of other sorts, and we have much vaster resources now. Her pre-planning and the kind of services a company like yours can provide were the biggest guide lights in this in this whole experience. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. And hopefully this will help another family too. Just our conversation. So. The biggest thing for people to know that are going coming into this cold, and I think to some extent everybody comes into a cold because all of a sudden things are fine until they're not, is that there are other people that have gone through this. Uh, so there are there's all sorts of ways of just getting emotional support. And there are all sorts of resources that it doesn't re it's not really that hard to find if you know where to look. You're you're not alone. You don't have to do it alone. And as society ages and birth rates drop and stuff like this, more and more of us are going to be in this situation. Check out this episode's doable download in show notes 
for details, including industry terms and definitions we discussed, as well as a bonus tip from our guest. Have questions or your own tips to share? Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And until next time, make it doable.